Welcome in to another new episode of the Codings Pro interview series. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, news editor with the AMP Publications team. Today, we're going to be talking about abrasive blasting, and I'm joined today by Brandon Acker, president of Titan Abrasive Systems. Brandon, thank you for taking the time. How are you? Good, Ben. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Doing well. And before we get into some specifics about the process, this is going to be something of a Q&A to walk through some of the the high points of the abrasive blasting process and what that means for coatings contractors just a holistic overview of the process i think a good place to begin would be by getting you to introduce yourself and give your biography to our listeners for anyone who aren't familiar with you your time in the industry or the company titan abrasive systems that you're with now certainly um well the company titan abrasive was start is a family business we're family owned um, it was my uncle who started the business back in 1953. Um, kind of always, always dabbled in it since I was a little kid. Uh, coming in, building valves, you know, help, helping out around the shop. Um, something I always loved, um, and have worked worked here for for quite a while. Um, it was in 2013 that I had the opportunity to to take over and become president of the company, um, which has been uh, quite quite an adventure. Uh, much different than anything I'd done before than just working here. Now I have to wear, uh, you know, m- many different hats, um, but it's it's been it's been very fun um, and kind of changed the changed the direction of the company a bit. Redesigned a lot of our equipment, um, you know, to keep up with the times and and innovate. Um, so it's it's been it's been a challenge, but it, it's been fun. Um, we've been around for a while, so um, keep it, keeping up with everybody else. Yeah, and of course you deal now as the name would suggest with abrasive blasting. It's used in really a variety of industries, particularly products that require coating or finishing. And of course, on today's show, we're going to be picking Brandon's brain with regards to how this process works and its importance to the overall quality of the finished product. Brandon, I think a good place to start if we could would just be, I guess, an overview of the abrasive blasting process. What is it and what's its its purpose within a coatings application? Um, so the abrasive blasting process has been around for, for quite a while, over 100 years now. Um, its basic principle is, you know, with us, we, we use air. We're air blast equipment. Uh, so we use compressed air um, to propel an abrasive, which used, used to be sand, now many, many different kinds of abrasive, to propel that abrasive against a surface to either clean it um, or to profile it, take paint off, you know, profile the steel for a new coating, uh, remove rust to clean it. Um, that can be done, you know, as I said, we, we do it with air. Some do it with like wheels that it's throwing that abrasive at the product. Um, but that, that's, what, that's what we're doing, propelling it with compressed air um, to clean or prepare that surface for, for coating. Beyond simply what you all do, just give us an idea as to the whole spectrum of blasting, because you've got so many materials that you can blast with. You've got so many potential pieces of equipment that you can use to, I guess, put that blasting material on the substrate. Just give us a holistic overview of the various options involved and where some of those might come into play. Um, yeah, so our, ours are used in, in in various industries depending on, on products, um, size of products. Um, you're, you know, with our air blasting, see in, in blast rooms, blast cabinets, um, you're, you're putting that object in there, propelling that media against that surface to create that profile. Um, when, when that when that media hits that surface, you know, it's 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 key for for your coating process is to get that 
you know, proper, proper profile on that surface so that the coating sticks. Um, and that's what through various medias, depending on, you know, the material that you're blasting um, and that finish that you're, you're trying to achieve, how deep of a profile, you know, you can pick from a, a range of different medias. You know, sometimes you might just be using plastic media to clean the surface, or you want to use something more aggressive like a, a steel grid or aluminum oxide to actually profile that surface because you're going to coat it and you want that coating to stick better um, and eliminate failures um, with the coating. So you have your choice of, of the equipment that you use to blast it, whether it's, whether it's air or wheel, and then you have your, your medias as well, with a, a wide variety of different medias that are going to give you different results. And then each of those medias also comes in various sizes, which is also going to change that, um, change the profile that you get on, on the material. Um, so you have to determine what that material is that you're blasting, what the, what the finish is that you want. Um, a lot of times your coatings will also um, give you that information. The coating will spec out, um, you know, what mill profile it needs to have, um, and then we'll we'll help to uh, make sure we get that, you know, through the use of our equipment or through the proper media, get that desired profile for the coating. Each coating can have a mm -hmm. different different spec on on that profile. What other tools might a contractor be thinking about in this process besides simply? the blast media or the piece of blasting equipment. For example, you mentioned uh, compressed air and I think air compressors. There's certain PPE that needs to be worn when you're blasting and it especially depends on the choice of material that you're using and dealing with. What are some of the other considerations besides simply the material and the piece of equipment that you're blasting with that a contractor should be thinking about when he or she is getting into the blasting phase of a project? Yep, there's uh they they have to think about themselves or the operator is number one. You have to think of, of yourself or the other employee who's who's doing the blasting. Um, so PPE plays plays a big role in it. Um, you're going to want um, mainly a, a helmet, you know, something to cover your head so you're not breathing in. Obviously, when you're when you're doing a brace of blasting, it's it's dirty. It creates a lot of a lot of dust from the media. Um, there's dust and debris coming off of the surface, whatever you're preparing. Um, if you're blasting paint off or mill scale or rust, um, that's going to be airborne. Um, so you want to make sure you have a, a good air fed helmet on. Um, you'll have a other compressor or breathing pump that feeds that helmet. It's going to keep the keep it from fogging up. Um, you're going to want a you know, some sort of suit or or uniform that's going to keep you know dust off you and protect your body a little bit from any ricochet coming off. You know, gloves, boots. Um, and then as far as where you're blasting, you're going to want to consider that as well. You know, we, we make a large equipment like a blast room. So if you're doing it inside, you know, that's going to contain the mess. Um, if you're, you know, a contractor that you're blasting outside, you're also going to want to consider that. Um, it, it is a, you know, messy operation. So if you're out there blasting, you're going to have a lot of dust and debris coming from it. Um, so you're going to want to see if maybe you're, if you're in the middle of nowhere and no one cares, um, or you're going to want to somehow contain that, whether it be in a tent, um, if you're blasting, you know, a, a large bridge, you know, which I'm sure a lot of people have seen. If you're driving over a big bridge over a river, they'll usually, if they're blasting it, you'll know because they have it tented off. A lot of work to enclose that, you know, to contain that mess, to contain all the media um, and what's being blasted off from being either airborne or falling into the river below. Um, so you definitely want to think about the environment you're blasting in um, and how you're going to contain that. Um, as well as uh, obviously your, your your personnel, the people who are doing the blasting to make sure you keep them safe and healthy is is definitely having that mm -hmm. 
PPE, the gloves, the uniform, the, the air-fed helmet, um, you know, CO monitor, um, depending upon where your your source of air for that for that helmet. You know, if it's coming off a compressor, you want to make sure you have a, a CO monitor on there. Um, or if you have an oil-free, you know, little breathing pump, you know, you're not necessarily needing one, um, but you want to make sure they have nice clean air that they're breathing in there and, and they're protected from the, the dust and debris and anything harmful coming off the product. You mentioned bridges as one potential example. Can you walk us through some of the real life applications that your type of blasting would apply to with regards to types of projects, substrates? Just give us some real life examples of blasting applications to sort of illustrate the function to our audience. Sure. Um, yeah, bridges are a big one as far as contracting is concerned and what's outside. Um, bridges, water towers, um, Windmills or like all offshore wind farms, all those wind turbines and, and the stands for them are all are all blasted. Um, that's your outdoor stuff. We're we're big in industrial. Um, so a lot of our applications take place indoors, inside shops, inside blast cabinets or blast rooms. Um, it can be people cleaning, you know, molds. If they're making products out of molds, they're making so many and they need to clean that the mold to prepare it for more, more use. Um, anything preparing you know, the surface of metal for coating, whether it be new products that someone's in OEM and they're a manufacturer of farm equipment, trailers, trucks, um, they're going to they're going to blast that steel to prepare it for a coating. Um, aerospace is a big one for us. They're cleaning uh, MRO where they're re redoing aircraft that have been in, in at the end of their lifespan, trying to recondition them, blasting jet engines. Um, military uses blasting a lot for their vehicles to, to repaint them. Um, and prepare them, change the color if they're going somewhere else in the world, um, preparing their, their jets. Um, they even use them in, you know, for glass, you know, people who have decorative glass. Sometimes if you have like frosted glass, sometimes it's sandblasted glass, you'd know because it would feel a little rough on it. So it gives it that frosted look. Um, people even even headstones on graves are, are sandblasted. Um, hypodermic needles, they sandblast the tip of the hypodermic needle to take off any burrs. That's almost like a microblasting that takes place. Um, in the food industry, it's used on all stainless steel equipment. Um, in food production, um, they're, they're blasting that after it's manufactured to remove any weld marks to give it a nice uniform finish. Um, they're going to use it on that. So it, it's got quite a, uh, quite a wide variety of, uh, of uses. Um, and depending on that media, even, even, you know, lighter organic meters are used, um, like sodium bicarbonate, baking soda, um, or walnut shells. People blast, you know, wood with them, log homes, um, fire damage. If a house, you know, burns, you can use baking soda. It'll blast off any of that, you know, charred embers all off the wood and return it to looking like new and deodorize it. Um, so it's really uh, car restorations, really quite a, quite a wide variety of, of, of uses for it and a lot of, a lot of industries that use it that people might not even think of. There's a number of standards that are out there that a contractor probably wants to achieve when he or she is blasting. Two-part question. Number one, how should they verify that that standard has been achieved? Is it just visual or are there tools? And if so, what are the tools that they can potentially use to verify that the blast went according to spec? And then secondly, how important is that blast and achieving that standard to the ultimate success of the coatings application how does it improve the end quality um so yes it's 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 very important to get that that proper profile on there to to improve that quality there are there are tools out there just like there are there are gauges that will measure 
that thickness of a coating that's applied on there. Um, there's also gauges that will measure the amount of profile, the depth of that profile. Um, so you can measure, you can test blast and blast and then measure that profile to see if it's, you know, if it's deep enough or too deep of a profile. Um, you want to hit that that happy medium. So it is kind of like a testing thing. You can you can blast and then test and measure that. And then you may have to either change your pressure you're blasting at or change to a different media or a different size media to control that profile. So there, there are ways and instruments out there that you, you can test that. Um, and you you do want to achieve that the correct profile um, for the for the coating. All, all coatings are a little bit different. Um, so they, they'll usually spec that that profile depth. Um, and you want to make sure you you adhere to that to the manufacturer's recommendations for the coating. Um, if, if it's improper, there will be issues with the coating. Um, may not be right away, but it will will shorten the lifespan of that coating. Can cause failure of the coating where it's not going to adhere um, when you put it on there. You definitely don't too too little of a coating is going to or profile is going to leave it kind of smooth. Um, so then that coating doesn't doesn't have anything to bite into to grab on. Um, so more than likely, you're going to get failure in that. The coating is going to peel or come off. Um, if you have too much of a profile on there, you're going to find it takes a lot, a lot of coating to, to cover that profile to sink in. You know, you're going to have multiple coats or a lot more material that you're applying, which you don't want because it's going to get going to get costly to put that much coating. You know, if you're using twice as much coating, it's going to cost a, a lot more than if you get that, that proper coating for the profile. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it, but you definitely want to... Uh, achieve that that proper profile on the on there um, to make sure your coating gets its uh, longevity and you don't void any any warranties on the coating and you want the coating to last and 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 do its job and protect that substrate you talked earlier about the different types of media and there's some really unique things that are going out in the going on out in the field these days you've even got some of these organic materials like walnut shells corn cobs how does a contractor make the choice or a client for that matter of what makes the most sense for a given application? Um, it is when, what, what they're trying to achieve. Um, so what, what the product is they're blasting, um, what if they're trying to profile, if they're trying to clean it, um, all the medias are going to do different things. The, the organics, like you mentioned, with baking soda, corn cob, walnut shells, they're all pretty soft medias. So they're not going to give you a lot of profile. Um, they're, they're good for, for cleaning, baking soda, walnut shells, you know, cleaning. You can even blast wood with them and they won't damage it because they're soft. Um, your other more aggressive medias like aluminum oxide, steel grit, they're going to give you um, more of a profile. They're going to remove um, a coating. They're going to remove rust. It, it, whatever you remove, you want, you're going to have to have a media that's harder than what you're trying to remove. Um, so if you're trying to remove rust, you know, baking soda or an organic material is not going to work because it's not as hard as rust. You're going to have to have like a steel grit or aluminum oxide that will remove that rust. Um, softer materials, some are, some are rounded. You have steel, steel shot or glass bead, you know, which are rounded. They're going to give you more of a, a peening on the surface. So it's just going to make a nice uniform finish for it. Not what you want if you're going to try and coat something because it won't give it any profile. It's just going to give it little indentations, um, sometimes used to, to strengthen steel um, or give just uniform finishes like food industry on stainless. They're going to glass bead blast it to give it that nice matte, matte finish. Um, so it really depends on what that 
what that what the product is that you're actually blasting, how hard it is, and also what you're trying to achieve. Are you trying to profile it or you're trying to clean it um, or you're trying to give it a uniform finish? That's all going to come into play as to you know what what the media is that you're going to choose. And then once you pick out that media, then you're also going to have a lot of medias have different sizes as well, mesh sizes um, that you're going to be able to choose, you know, how deep that profile is as well. If you want a finer media or more coarse media, similar to I was related to sandpaper because people you know, on the rougher stuff like a, you know, 40 grit sandpaper versus a 400 grit sandpaper. One's going to remove a lot. Like if you're sanding wood, it's going to remove a lot of material. You know, a 400 is not going to remove much, leave it smoother. Media is the same way. And it almost has a lot of the same size numbers. Aluminum oxide is what's on sandpaper and that a, a 40 grit aluminum oxide is going to be pretty aggressive, large, going to give you a deep profile. You know, 400 grit is going to be very, very fine, almost like a powder. So it's not going to mm-hmm. be a profile. Let's talk about the equipment side of things. I know you mentioned that with your company specifically, you do a lot of work with clients out of shop environments. For us at Codings Pro, we tend to do more field applications, not all, but we do skew towards applications in the field. When we're talking about that side of the business, how is the equipment used? Talk about bringing some of these tools to the job site and how the blasting process typically works, specifically on the equipment side when a contractor is out in the field. Depending upon the the, the size of the project, the size of what's being blasted, whether it's a you know, a large water tower being blasted or a small, you know, pipeline, you know, the end of a pipe that's being coated. Um, the equipment coming out is going to be, might be a, just a small unit that's a, you know, like a three cubic foot or a six cubic foot, you know, portable blaster that's on like a trailer in the back of a truck. You know, you're going to have to have an air compressor. You're going to need that compressed air source to power the machine. Um Size of that machine just depends on the size of the job. Um, sometimes those smaller ones are used in, you know, in the pipe industry pipelines that they're just blasting whenever if they have to weld the pipe. You know, you're just blasting that end. You might just have a small unit on a truck. Um, if you're blasting a water tower um, or a bridge, usually you're you're a much larger piece of equipment. Um, the the blast machine, that pressure vessel that holds the material, is going to be much larger. You're going to get into into the tonnage, so you get like a six and eight or a ten ton unit that usually are trailer mounted. Um, so you're going to tow that out there because it's going to hold a lot of material, can have multiple operators off of it. Um, going to take a, a large compressor. The bigger the machine, the more operators, um, the larger the item is that you're blasting. Usually you're going to need a lot more compressed air. So that's something to consider. You're going to use a, a, a very large compressor. Um, our single small units, three or six cubic foot machine that's just doing a small area in the field. Um, you might just have like a, a 185, 185 CFM unit, usually towing behind a, a pickup truck. Um, on the larger units, their multiples are, are much larger, you know, 800, 1600 CFM units. Um, you're also want to consider that, that containment. Um, if it's usually out in the field and you're doing like pipelines, you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere, usually just blasting small you know, ends of pipes to clean them or weld them together. Um, not a whole lot of containment going on there. Obviously, bridges, water tanks, big towers. A lot of containment there as well. So you're going to have to look into that, tarping the material off to contain that um, before you do the blasting. Um, so it's it's kind of a, a, a wide variety of equipment, size of equipment, basically, on, on what you're what you're looking to do, as well as if you're looking to recover that media. Usually on smaller jobs, pipelines are using a uh, you know non-recoverable, cheaper 
media just to do a little blast job on it. Um, if you're doing a lot of blasting, um, you're going to want a recoverable media. So then you that has recoverable recovery systems on there as well that can suck up and clean the media so you can reuse it again. will help save you some money. Um, and you'll also, depending on the job, you'll have dust collection as well. If you're doing a water tower or tank, if you're inside that tank, you're going to have to recover that. You know, have dust recover the media and have dust collection as well to clean clean the air and suck that air out and dust out of that tank. So you can see, even on a bridge, if that's tented, it's going to make a very dusty environment. Once you contain that, you're now have all that all that dust contained as well. So in, in order to see in there, you're going to need lights. Um, and you're going to want a dust collection system to suck that that dust out of there as well, so the uh, operator can see better for what what they're trying to do. With what you all do, it's heightened abrasive. Obviously, your blast media is inherently abrasive. That has a correlation in many cases with the type of actual blasting equipment that a contractor is going to choose for a given job. Can you explain that relationship between the media and the actual equipment choice? Yep, the media varies on, on its aggressiveness, what it does to equipment. Um, in the field, a little different than, than when we're industrial, when we're inside. Um, or the blasting machines, depending on the manufacturer who makes the equipment, some will have different different machines with different valves for different types of media. Uh, for instance, like uh, baking soda is very fine. So usually there's separate machines that are just soda blasters that are going to be better at handling that really fine powdery material. Um, our, our machines are, we, use, we have a, our valves that are used on our machine, our abrasive regulators are a multimedia valve that we've designed. So it, it can be adjusted and can be used with, you know, almost every type of media out there. Um, so, so that helps. So you're not buying a specific machine for a specific media in case you, you switch to a different, you know, if you're doing different jobs, you might be needing different medias depending on that job. Um, so with our equipment, you don't have to switch to that. Um, but that's something that is, is a concern that you want to think about what type of media and is that machine going to work with that specific media. Same with the recovery of that media. Um, different medias, not just for their, their aggressiveness, will help to wears the equipment when you're when you're blasting as well as when you're recovering it, whether you're vacuuming it up and sucking it up, if it's aggressive media, it's going to have some wear points where it's going to wear when it's sucking up that media. Um, some is heavier, your steel steel grit, steel shots of heavy media. Um, so that's going to take a different type of recovery system um, than what your lighter materials would take as, as well. Indoors, we use like bucket elevators. Some of the, uh, you know, Field units as well will use a little bucket elevator system to kind of vacuum up some of the media and then to pick it up and put it back in that machine due to the weight. Um, so you have um, recovery system choices as well, depending upon that media, as well as the units that are used to actually do the blasting. Um, you're going to want to consider if that if that machine is designed for that specific media or not. We talked earlier about the positive correlation between a satisfactory black blasting job that meets the desired standard that achieves that profile and what that can mean for the ultimate outcome of a coding system. What's the other side of that? When a product requires abrasive blasting and the blasting job is subpar, what does that mean for the final project? Are you looking at reduced adhesion? Just walk us through, I, I guess, some of the pitfalls if a contractor or a client doesn't properly perform and execute the blasting phase that we've been talking about. 
Yeah, your your biggest issue is going to be failure of that coating. Obviously, especially in the field, your coatings are usually being used to, you know, protect and preserve that substrate, whether it be a bridge that's steel, um, you know, water tank, you're, you're putting that coating on there, pipelines, you're coating it so that to protect it, to make the longevity of that steel so it doesn't rust or wear. Um, if it's not properly prepared um, for that coating to ad adhere to it, yeah, you can have a, a lot of different failures. Either the coating starts to crack and peel off. Um, if you get cracks in the coating that you can get, you know, moisture underneath of that coating, you know, then it's going to start to, to rust and degrade the substrate. Um, so that it, it's key to make sure you get that proper profile on there. Um, you certainly do not want that, that coating failure. You don't want rust getting under there, moisture getting on there. It'll just make more of the coating peel off. Um, and like I said, even if it's not prepared, you can even have that, that coating will actually start to flake or peel off, um, which, which nobody wants. You definitely want to have that, uh, that profile correct so that you have your, your coating that lasts, does what it's supposed to do and la lasts a long time. Um, so you don't have any of those, those issues or failures or last thing you want is to do a large bridge project and then find out it wasn't prepared properly and having to go back and, and redo something because there's there's failure in there and you certainly don't want moisture getting under there and, and, and rusting or you know weakening the steel structure because the coating you know wasn't wasn't applied properly or the, the preparation wasn't done for the for the coating. We're wrapping up now with Brandon Acker, president of Titan Abrasive Systems, talking about some of the best practices for abrasive blasting to save contractors time and money, also while increasing the ultimate quality of the product that's being installed. Brandon, any last words for our audience? Is there anything that, I guess, number one, we haven't covered? And secondly, any other criteria that a contractor should be thinking about when they're making their choice when it comes to blast media or blasting equipment? Um, just just to do, make sure you do your research, reach out to someone. You're welcome to reach out to us anytime if you need not just to, to buy something, but if you need advice, you have questions, we're all always happy to help. Um, want to make sure you get that get the job done right so it, it's going to save you in the long run doing it the right way, choosing your media, making sure your operators are, are, are have the proper equipment so that they're protected um, and, and do things as affordably as well. Make sure you're choosing the right media, that you're not wasting it. You're recovering that media is going to save you save you money um, and you're keeping up with any um, you know regulations that are needed when you're out there in the field um, as far as PPE um, or dust collection you know in, in the environment that you're containing that um, so that there aren't any any fines you want to stay on the on the good side of OSHA as well um, but yeah we're always always happy just do, do your research reach out to the companies with the equipment you're looking to use reach out to them and make get get the advice and make sure you're getting the uh, the proper equipment and and the proper media um, don't always go don't always go the cheap route. Some people go with the cheaper medias because they're they're less expensive. But just keep in mind that the the more expensive medias are recoverable. Um, might seem like more more upfront, but it's going to save you in the long run if you can take that media and, and you can use it you know over and over again. Um, it's going to more than more than pay for the equipment or the rental of that. For anyone who wants to learn more from Site and Abrasive or get in touch with you guys, what's the best way? I'm assuming it's the website, but just give any contact info that you want to provide for you all at Titan Abrasive. Sure. It, it, probably the best way is to reach us on our website. We're just titanabrasive.com. Abrasive is singular. Um, you can find us on, on the website. Um, we're on social media. You can all, always give us a call as well. Um, email, call us. All, all, always happy to help. Sounds good. 
Folks, this is where we will wrap it today for Brandon Acker of Titan Abrasive. My name is Ben Dubose, news editor with the AMP Publications team. If you want more resources from us, just go to codingspromag.com, amp.org, or you can follow Codings Pro or AMP on many social media outlets, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. We're across all of those and beyond. Just search for Codings Pro Magazine or AMP. Again, thanks as always for listening, and please come back soon for another new episode from the Codings Pro interview series.